Hello and welcome. You are listening to Patrick Boyle on Finance, a podcast exploring ideas from quantitative finance, examining events occurring in markets right now and financial history to see what lessons can be taken away, including interviews with some of the most interesting people in the world of finance. To learn more about the podcast, visit onfinance.org. When German miners first discovered nickel in the 15th century, they named it Kupfernickel, or Devil's Copper, because while they thought it contained copper, they couldn't recover any from it. They blamed their troubles on the devil, and since then, nickel has had the nickname the Devil's Metal. Amongst commodity traders, it's had a history of devilish behaviour too. Last week, Trafigura, one of the world's largest commodity trading firms, announced a $577 million write-down, claiming that they had fallen victim to a systematic fraud in the devil's metal. More surprisingly, though, to industry insiders was who they were dealing with. Pratik Gupta, a 43-year-old Indian businessman with a checkered reputation who had been trading with Trafigura since 2016. Trafigura discovered that shipments of nickel that they had purchased from Gupta-linked companies contained no trace of the valuable metal, leading them to launch legal action against Gupta and secure a $625 million freezing order against his business empire. Court documents show that the alleged fraud drew in Citigroup, who financed the trades, Barclays, where Gupta's companies held accounts that received Trafigura funds, and that the scandal could reach even deeper into the world of commodities, as Trafigura say that they sold on potentially fake nickel cargos in 11 trades worth almost $100 million. The 25,000 tons of missing nickel is not a small amount. It comes to more than 10% of the annual imports of China, the dominant global nickel consumer. The alleged fraud involved trades in nickel, which was in transit during 2022, and allegedly involved all sorts of scheming, misrepresentation and counterfeit documents. Now, the scam of delivering metal that isn't what it's supposed to be is no new idea. The British Museum has an almost 4,000-year-old clay tablet on display in which a Babylonian merchant calls out a supplier for trying to cheat him on a shipment of copper. Clay tablets were the Twitter of that time. Clay tablet beefs were quite a thing in ancient Babylonia. The Babylonians didn't have formal quality metrics for metals, but the merchant in question knew he had been scammed and warned his supplier via clay tablet that from now on I will not accept any copper from you that's not fine quality. It's amusing that he knew he had been ripped off but was still planning on doing further business with the supplier. In more recent times, metals trading has continued to be a venue for fraud. Last year in China alone, $500 million worth of copper went missing, and Trafigura's nickel scandal follows hot on the heels of the LME nickel trading scandal from March of last year, when the London Metal Exchange had to suspend nickel trading for fear of a total market collapse. 
This situation is quite a large fraud, and it could work out to be quite far-reaching. The news caused the price of nickel to rise by around 6% on the day of its announcement, as it meant that there was significantly less copper available to industry than was previously estimated. A 25,000-ton black hole has just opened in the nickel supply chain. So who are the two parties to this dispute? Well, Trafigura is a multinational commodity trading company based in Geneva, Switzerland. It was founded in 1993 and operates in more than 50 countries around the world. They specialize in trading a wide range of commodities, including crude oil, refined petroleum products, metals, minerals, and agricultural products. They have become known for some controversial activities themselves, too, including their involvement in a pollution scandal in 2006 and their attempted use of a super injunction in the UK to prevent the press from reporting on it. In addition to its commodity trading activities, Trafigura is also involved in other business areas like logistics, infrastructure and finance. The company is one of the largest independent oil and metals trading companies in the world and has annual revenues in excess of $147 billion. Just two months ago, Trafigura's top traders and shareholders were celebrating having been awarded a $1.7 billion payout as profits boomed during the energy crisis. The firm made a record $7 billion net profit last year. Trafigura is not a publicly listed company. It's owned by 1,100 shareholders, many made up of executives and traders at the privately held firm. The company still publishes its annual accounts, and you might wonder why they would do this as a private firm. Well, every commodity trading house has a different edge, and Trafigura's edge is in financing, both in the way it finances itself and the financing deals it can offer its counterparties. They publish their accounts so that they can show their strength and, because of that strength, access huge amounts of financing from big global lenders. The firm is reported to have $73 billion of credit lines from 140 different lenders. Okay, so what about Pratik Gupta and TMT? Well, Pratik began his career as a trainee at his father's metal trading company, Ushdev International, where he became a managing director in 2008. Now, It's easier to get promotion when it's your father's company, but nonetheless, well done. The company became insolvent in 2018 after defaulting on loans from several Indian banks. The Wall Street Journal reports that many people in the commodities industry steer clear of Pratik Gupta and his businesses due to his reputation in the industry. Pratik Gupta has ties to Sanjeev Gupta, whose GFG Alliance group of companies is implicated in the Greensill scandal that I covered a while ago on this channel. GFG Alliance is under investigation by the UK Serious Fraud Office for its involvement in that scandal. While Sanjeev Gupta is not a relative of Pratik's, despite sharing the same surname, Sanjeev is a former shareholder in Ushdev. As with Pratik Gupta's alleged fraud on Trafigura, many of the suspect GFG invoices involved in the Greensill scandal involved shipments of nickel too. 
I should point out that GFG has announced that it has for years had no business or relationship with Pratik Gupta and is in no way connected to any of the activities Trafigur's announcement referenced. So bankers at Credit Suisse, who were, of course, helping manage Mr. Gupta's wealth, introduced him to TMT, a small trading firm based in Switzerland less than 10 years ago. He went on to buy the firm in early 2016. TMT had a good reputation in Swiss financial circles before being purchased and crucially had existing credit lines in place. They also had a trading relationship with Trafigura. Those credit lines soon shrunk under the new ownership as certain counterparties backed away and TMT allegedly began asking counterparties for longer payment terms, saying they were willing to pay high interest rates. Some counterparties told the Wall Street Journal that they viewed this as a red flag and declined to deal with TMT. In an unrelated case, the State Bank of India accused Pratik Gupta and other business associates of his of being party to a criminal conspiracy. The bank claims that the fraud cost it and other lenders to Ujdev, the firm founded by his father, nearly $175 million at today's exchange rates. Investigators in India say that they recovered incriminating documents and articles after opening a fraud investigation based on a complaint from the State Bank of India. Unfortunately, by the time the Central Bureau of Investigation opened its probe, Trafigura was already heavily exposed to Mr. Gupta and his related companies. Okay, so Trafigura began trading with TMT Metals more than a decade ago. They provided transit finance to TMT and to other Gupta companies, essentially buying nickel in containers that were already on board ships and then selling it when the ships reached their destination, charging interest for the duration of the transportation. In 2021, transit times for containers at sea expanded, and this was partially just due to the supply chain disruptions that were occurring at the time. But some TMT shipments took more than 300 days to be delivered. This was significantly longer than made sense for any global shipping route and was difficult to explain. Trafigura began reviewing its relationships with various trading partners last year and their risk management team started to pay more attention to TMT metals, especially when authorities in India accused Gupta of defrauding the State Bank of India. In October of last year, Citigroup declined to finance the trades between Trafigura and Gupta's companies anymore, meaning that Trafigura was now financing the trades itself, which led to Trafigura investigating their counterparty more thoroughly. In November, according to court documents, an informant told Trafigura that one or two of the purchased containers contained something other than nickel. The fraud was exposed when the company's investigators arrived at a port in Rotterdam just before Christmas and checked the contents of a container and found other less valuable metals, but no nickel inside. When the trading house confronted Gupta, he told the head of nickel and cobalt trading that the containers contained mostly a cheaper nickel alloy and a small amount of other materials rather than the high-grade nickel metal that had been paid for. 
Gupta initially blamed his business partner in India for the mix-up and claimed that the contents were different to avoid sanctions on shipping Russian nickel, despite no such sanctions ever having been in place. At a meeting in early January, Gupta proposed settling the sum it owed Trafigura, but the firm instead decided to pursue a fraud claim and to request that the courts freeze Gupta's assets. It probably made more sense to have assets frozen than to give Gupta time to pay or find a way of not paying. In many ways, this story is pulling together a number of pieces that I've covered in the past on this channel, like the trading issues on the LME less than a year ago, the Greensill scandal, which is still ongoing, and the content on supply chain disruptions and the economic effects of the war in Ukraine. There's been quite a bit of fraud in the nickel market over the last few years for a few reasons, but mostly that it's a highly priced industrial metal, currently worth around $26,000 per tonne, and it has become highly financialized. Its surging value as a crucial metal used in the production of electric car batteries has made it an attractive target for questionable dealings. Some examples? Well, a nickel repo deal between Nataxis and Marex fell apart in 2017 when it turned out that it was based on false receipts for metal stored by Access World, then a part of Glencore. After a two-year legal battle, Nataxis won a $32 million claim against Marex in 2019. EDNF Man won a $283 million fraud claim last year against a Singapore commodity trader, Straits, for a fund also involving fake nickel warehouse receipts. Singaporean prosecutors have filed 105 charges against an alleged Ponzi schemer accused of cheating investors out of over a billion dollars for fictitious nickel trades too. Even in the Greensill case where Sanjeev Gupta's GLG alliance is being investigated by the UK Serious Fraud Office, many of the suspicious invoices involved shipments of nickel. So far, out of 1,104 containers, Trafigura has checked 156, and despite what Gupta told Trafigura, no nickel of any grade at all has been found in them. The containers were filled with carbon steel, a low-value metal worth less than $1,000 per tonne versus the roughly $26,000 per tonne for nickel. Industry insiders have expressed considerable surprise that Trafigura was dealing with Gupta at all. Jonas Ray, the chief executive of Athena Intelligence, told the FT that he had investigated TMT in the past over an alleged scheme involving a network of companies trading between themselves, each with different bills of lading and their own financing. Their reputation was horrendous, he told the FT. TMT Metals was blacklisted from most credit and insurance companies as they were such a high-risk entity. Trafigura has said that there's no evidence that any of its employees were complicit in the fraud. An impairment charge of up to $577 million will be recorded by Trafigura on the first half of 2023 related to this alleged fraud. That's equivalent to more than 8% of the $7 billion net profit the company made in its 2022 financial year, its best year on record. 
While the alleged fraud has drawn in firms like Citigroup, who financed some of the trades, and Barclays, where Gupta's companies held accounts, they are unlikely to have been materially impacted. The scandal is likely to cause banks to increase the scrutiny and risk management procedures around dealing with firms like Trafigura. This could impact their financing edge in the commodities industry, which would really matter to Trafigura. It's not clear what will happen and who will take the hit on the potentially fake nickel cargoes that Trafigura unwittingly sold on in 11 trades worth $94 million. It's also not yet clear if Trafigura is the only firm to have been tricked in this manner by Gupta's firms. We'll have to wait and see if more news comes out. It's somewhat amazing to me that someone would run a fraud like this where they're guaranteed to be caught once the containers are open, but who knows? Corporate filings show that an investment vehicle of Artis Financial, a trade finance startup backed by private equity firm TDR Capital, is a secured lender to TMT Metals for receivables financing. The company's website states that only the most meticulously risk-assessed and commercially viable transactions make it through to the Artist Investment Committee. This transaction seems to have made it through too, though. Trafigura says that they've yet to decide whether to claim insurance or not. It's probably too early right now to do so as they haven't examined all of the metal inventories yet and they have to still see how Gupta responds to their claim. Experts are saying that it may be difficult for Trafigura to recover their losses through the court system given the complexity and ownership structure of the web of companies it claims are behind the alleged fraud. Ian Milne, who was responsible for trying to recover debt from Gupta's UD trading for trade finance fund TransAsia Private Capital, told the press that Trafigura is likely to struggle to collect money from Gupta, as while Gupta might have a lot of money out there, most of it is not in his name. After this flurry of fraud in the metals industry over the last few years, things are likely to change somewhat as lenders increase their scrutiny of who they deal with and the risk management procedures in place. Scandals like this are likely to make banks even more wary of lending against nickel trades at a time when commodity financing in general has been shrinking. Outdated ways of doing business like paper documents and email will need to be replaced with more robust approaches if fraud is to be reduced in the industry. Please don't suggest blockchain in the comments section as the goal is to reduce the amount of fraud, not to just draw in different types of fraudsters. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Do tell your friends about it as that's really how podcasts grow. Have a great day and talk to you again soon. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted. Thank you to everyone who is supporting this content on Patreon. If you enjoyed this content, you can find more like it on YouTube, on the Patrick Boyle on Finance channel, or follow us on Twitter at Patrick E. Boyle. Thanks for listening. Bye.